to Open Minds UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and we have with us Jason Paddington McClellan. Yeah, I'm here. I use Paddington because I just went to the San Diego Zoo yesterday, and I was thinking of bears. Uh, they had some cute black bears, and uh, I thought you're, you're kind of a cute, That's right. cute little cute Paddington yeah. kind of character. I hope you... Do you like that? I do. I was I was thinking you were uh, looking into my my Irish roots, but uh, oh yeah, that's right, McClellan. Yeah, so, McClellan so, of the Clan McClellan. I don't know. Paddington sounded kind of fun. Yeah, Paddington McClellan. No, that's why, and uh, that's why our show is a day late because I was uh, out at the beach for a few days, and that was awesome. But we wanted to get you a show because, of course, we were in Roswell the weekend before. And this weekend, we're going to be in Jersey at uh, the MUFON conference. Yeah. Do you have your Jersey accent ready? No, because I don't want to get beat up. And out of respect of the good people of New Jersey, I'm not going to mock them. Well, I'm not mocking because, uh, what is it, like? The sincerest form of flattery, flattery, how does that go? Um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I think uh, a few pairs of fists and brass knuckles will disagree with you. That's true. You're right. We you should, can try it out. I'd like yeah. to be there when you do. But, but if we're going to do it, we should do it here because this is a safe haven. <laughs> but my jersey is the same as my uh, New York, really. I don't know the difference. I, I kind of do a... so. We're going to talk about some UFOs here. Yeah, and then you're kind of blending into your Australian, which is also your English. And yeah, yeah. So I, I just won't do it. Let's not do it. Bad or, idea. Or you can just practice a lot. But. Yeah. So let's do this in our normal voice. Uh, and first I'll tell you about our guest. Our guest is Margie Kay. She is the Assistant State Director in Missouri, but she also runs... A lot of stuff on her own. She has like an X uh, magazine that they've got going on out there. She has a radio show. She's written a couple books on the paranormal, not just UFOs. So she does a lot, a lot of stuff. So we'll talk to her about that. Uh, I talked to her a little bit because we went on a ghost hunt in Roswell at the Roswell Museum with, yeah, uh, with we did. Ben Hansen. And um, he saw something strange. And uh, there was an EVP that was captured that is being examined that might have been interesting. So I got some orbs on video. Oh, you did. But yeah. what do you think of those orbs? 
I think they're most likely dust, like yeah. most orbs, but I, I haven't really examined the video. I need to go back, because I know I saw them live when I was watching through the camera with the IR, so mm -hmm. I need to go back and review the footage and see, because I know they don't just fall, you know, they do make some upturns and things. Yeah. It's interesting, but dust also does that. Yeah, it drifts in the yep. air kind of thing, but uh, sometimes there's weird stuff. They do weird things. Yeah, the EVP was very interesting. Yeah, so... We'll let you know more about that if uh, more develops there. But I talked to, to Margie about that and EVPs and the similarity of uh, other paranormal research and UFOs. So it's a lot of fun, and we'll be talking to her soon. However, before we get into that, we discuss, as usual, UFOs in the news. Of course, at openminds.tv, we are updating it daily with UFO news. In fact, we now host Roger Marsh uh, with MUFON, so we get their daily reports as well. So really, our site is a uh, the hot spot when it comes to UFO news. So, uh, and Jason, what is your favorite story of the last week? I just thought we might uh, improve this segment and get more listeners mm. if we change it to UFOs in the nude. Oh, but it's it's an audio thing. That's right. We can say it's in the nude and nobody will know the, know the better. Okay. No, that, that might actually tune people out. Well, let's try it. UFOs in the nude. All right. Let's take our clothes off. All right. Give me a minute. It's a nice All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll do my story here, Alejandro, and I I don't know. I don't know if you know which one I'm going to do here. I don't. In fact, when I was choosing mine, I was thinking I'm excited to hear Jason's. All right. And I hope it's not one I'm thinking of choosing because then we can talk about more. Yeah. It it, it potentially could be one you're going to talk about, but uh, this is the one I'm going to do. And and many of you probably heard about this. Um, as many of you are probably aware, uh, there are tour groups that take people out to Area 51 in Nevada. And there was one of these tour groups taking a group of tourists on a little van ride out uh, to the Area 51 area. And Mr. George Knapp, who knows a thing or two about Area 51, did a story for KLAS there in Las Vegas about this. And, and what happened was this uh, driver of this tour group drove past the sign that says keep out, that warns everybody to stay away from the Area 51 area. And so, of course, they get uh, pursued lightly by a, by a patrol truck there. And uh, they were detained and had to wait for deputies. And these people were, uh, were charged and fined. And uh, the whole thing is captured on video because this tour group has dash cams mounted uh, recording both the inside of the van as well as the front, the, the pointing where the, the van is, is pointed. So both of these things were captured on video. And I feel sorry for this poor guy because the driver, I believe it was an honest mistake, although the deputies didn't believe it was an honest mistake. But you see this guy's reaction when he realizes what happens. And... He was just gabbing away, having a good time, being a good uh, guide and talking about sports or something. And, uh, yeah, he just missed the sign and drove right through. Yeah, it's hilarious. I and, Alejandro, you've you been out this. there. How, yeah. how easy would it I mean, there isn't a giant gate or anything. How easy would it be to miss this sign? Well, someone posted on the story, that's not where I went because you can't drive through the gate. And there mm -hmm. are two, two areas to go to. Yeah. Um, I went to the area where these guys went, and there's just a sign. 
So it's very easy to drive through. And if you saw the Kardashians episode where, you know, what happened was it's very easy to drive through. Um, and uh, Bruce Jenner had slowed down the van and he was going to turn around, but he didn't tell anybody. So you see on the show, the girls are freaking out. Oh, Bruce, stop, Dad, stop. Because I had, uh, you know, said several times, it's very important we do not pass the signs. And the reason I said that is because it's very easy to do so. There's no gate there. If you don't know what the sign is, if you don't take the time to read the signs, which many people don't, then I could see people very easily zipping past the sign. And who knows, this may have happened before. We just don't know about it. It just didn't make the news because it's easy to do. So I'm not too surprised that it happened. And you're right. It is so funny when you see the guy's face because he is just like, I mean, you see his face go white when they say, we're being followed by a truck. And he's like, are you serious? And I think when he realizes, you know, he looks around, I don't recognize this. I think I passed the sign. His face is white, and he's really freaked out because he knows there's trouble coming. And George Knapp and the I-Team for KLIS did a great job here because they actually contacted the Lincoln County District Attorney to talk about this case. And like I said, they, they were totally convinced that this was intentional. Everybody was in on this. They wanted to test it and see what would happen. Yeah. But, uh, and they had no idea that it was captured on video. And so right. George pointed this out to the district attorney. And after seeing that, that convinced him that this was just an accident. So the charges against the passengers would, were dropped. But the, the driver is still in hot water, and, and he's been banned from doing these trips for yeah. two years, the poor guy. Yeah, they really got lucky because... Uh, as we know, uh, we covered a story maybe a year or so ago where uh, a team from Britain, some documentary makers came, and they were being ornery. They were testing their limits, and they went past the signs. And again, the Lincoln County uh, deputies came out because they're in charge of the trespassing uh, on the base. They have an agreement there. And those guys got shoved in the dirt. Their equipment got taken. I mean, they had a much worse experience. Luckily, these passengers were only, uh, they were fined, uh, which they were really bummed, of course, because you're just on a simple tour, but at least they weren't shoved in the dirt and, and cuffed and everything, so I'm sure that's what was going through the driver's mind. He's like, oh, right. no, we're all getting cuffed. These, I am so, so screwed. But another condition of getting these charges dropped was that they had to turn over right. the camera that was front-facing yeah. because that actually showed um, military coming out from the base, yeah. and they didn't want that released to the public. And George was very clear to say that it, they, the video they were taking did not show any flying saucers right. or secret aircraft. And uh, But it is funny. You see how these tourists, I guess they thought that the white trucks following them was part of the show and everything, but when they get back in the car after they've been fined, they are not happy, thinking, oh, great, I just got fined. Uh, they were facing at least $650 yeah, in fines. Yeah, $650 and, mm -hmm. and uh, some misdemeanor charge, but, yeah. yeah, they were given court dates, and, yeah, that would so really funny. ruin your vacation. It's hilarious. It's a great story for them. You know, it was a British couple and then a mom and a son. Oh, although yeah, it makes for a great story now. It was an adult son, so it wasn't yeah. like a, a young kid, but, yeah, really funny story. Yeah, and uh, do, do check out the story on openminds.tv because we've got the video there from the I-Team. 
You can see the driver and his reaction. It's yeah. pretty funny. However, I wonder, because they got such light treatment and they were not physically you know, harmed or, or jostled in any way, I wonder if more people now are going to try to do this. I, I was thinking about that earlier, and I, I'm sure this is going to encourage some people to try that out. But after this experience, I think that the next people who do it, I don't think the DA is going to have any patience for it at all right. and will make those people an example. And we certainly don't recommend it because they did get on these people in a couple minutes and you're not going to get very far. And it is far from that gate to the actual base. So right. you're not going to get very far. You're not going to, I don't think you're going to see very much. Uh, certainly not advised. Yeah. All right. Well, that is my story. What is your story, Alejandro? Good story, Jason. Thank you for that UFO Area 51 news. My story, I had a hard time choosing because I think we have a couple really good government stories. Um, I'm not going to do this one, but I'll mention it because it was the uh, runner-up of the stories to talk about. And this was given to us by Andres Mueller, who is a German researcher. This is really cool because Germany is one of those countries. I'm just essentially talking about it. I'm going to do two. I'm just not going to. You're allowed. Go for it. Because I'm going into this. Because uh, that's one of the talks I did at, at Roswell was the official government programs around UFOs and an examination of the countries that are into it. Germany's one of those countries that has been shut down to UFOs. They're like, they don't take it serious. They're not going to research it. They never have researched it, according to them. No UFOs, no way, no how. However, this UFO researcher, Andres, uh, alerted me to a story he had written, and he had actually transcribed it into English from his German website, and uh, he let us repost it. And he found that the Secret Service did have some UFO files. Uh, Mostly they were pretty mundane type of things. However, there were a couple really interesting UFO sightings, and he talks about one of those in particular, uh, where, you know, they never did figure out what it was that was seen. So uh, we posted that. So this is kind of cool because as far as I know, this is the first time uh, that German UFO files from the government have been posted. So I was really excited about that one. It, it, yeah, it is pretty exciting. And uh, I mean, we've got a lot about German UFOs on the website, but it's a lot about uh, the German-constructed UFOs. Right, yeah. That one fake one that uh, not too long ago oh, yeah. was terrible. But uh, the story I, I really want to cover is another great one by Leslie Kane, uh, who's just one of the, the shining stars when it comes to UFO researchers. Of course, she did the book. Uh, I always get the title wrong, but I get the gist of it right. UFOs in government. Um, nope. Captains. Nope. Officials. Nope. Palladians go on the record. He got, he got part of it, right? <laughs> yeah. UFOs, generals, pilots, and no. See, I'm screwing it up now. It's <laughs> yeah. UFOs, something like that. Generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record. Yeah, I think you got it. That sounds right. But essentially, you know, it's, it's a lot of cool dudes, credible people who went on the record. And uh, so she's from that book, she's created a very close relationship with the Chilean government uh, and their UFO research organization, CEPA-A. In fact, when she went out to Chile not too long ago, they had a special press conference that that she was at, and she's sitting in the front row of generals and everything. She felt like a diplomat, you know, uh, that she was very well received. 
Well, they, she has pretty much been their main contact in the United States when it comes to their UFO cases. And they just released a, a recent one that they sent to her that they're very excited about. And uh, th these are some UFO photos that were actually taken over a year ago in April of 2013 uh, by some miners. The miners took these photos, a couple pictures of a disc-shaped object. They said that they saw for an hour. It was about 2,000 feet above them. Uh, they said it just kind of made hovered for a while, then made some weird movements. Uh, they took a couple pictures, but they never told anybody, nor did they share these pictures because they were afraid of getting teased. And these were actual physical miners, copper miners, I think, not right. children. All <laughs> right, good, good point. Yeah, out of a copper mine in a very uh, rural area in southern Chile, uh, essentially they're in the Andes, a very high area in the Andes, uh, called Cola uh, Huasi. Uh, hopefully, that sounds more Hawaiian, Hawaiian yeah. but uh, it's something like that. Uh, there were four witnesses, uh, and eventually, earlier this year, they did show their supervisor the pictures. The supervisor thought it was interesting. He then did take it to the government, and Sefa uh, began uh, examining it. Uh, the miners would not talk to any officials. Uh, the only one who did relay the story was the uh, supervisor who also didn't want to go on the record. He didn't want, he wanted to remain anonymous. And uh, so that Sefa looked at the pictures and they believed them to be legitimate, uh, a real disc object. They have classified it as an unidentified or a UFO. Uh, in the picture, you see kind of a white object. It does look like a disc, kind of a lens shape. Uh, in both of these images, and they say, you know, you have two pictures. And they do note, given the change in position in the two pictures, if these were taken in, in succession very quickly, uh, that the object had to have moved pretty fast. But they don't know how long the image is. So they might have taken been taken 15 minutes apart, and, and so then the speed would not be as significant. But they did a lot of examination. We have a link to their report. Of course, it's not in English, but we have some of the pictures online. And uh, Leslie had originally written this up for the Huffington Post. So uh, we included some of the translation that she had included in her story. Uh, we also included a Fox News video because all the media all over the place has picked it up. And actually, Fox did a pretty good job with this story. I thought they... They took it pretty seriously, mainly because uh, one of their reporters took it very seriously. It looked like they were prepared to make fun of it until one of the mm. reporters said, hey, I think this is legit. We also included, because we did a recent Chile uh, UFOs, Your Need to Know, and some information on uh, a sighting over Santiago Air Base, which was also one of their popular cases that has been, uh, they felt was unknown, some uh, UFO videos there. So... Very interesting case. This is an interesting case. They did some good analysis, and there are, you know, interesting details they point out where they believe the object is self-illuminated. They separated out uh, reflection from the sun and, and think there's actual illumination coming from the object that is separate from that sun reflection. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing about this case is the lack of information from the witnesses. The witnesses... Uh, not wanting to speak because of that ridicule factor. Um, so everything we, we have comes from their supervisor. Mm -hmm. So it's, 
you know, not coming directly from them, which is unfortunate. It'd be great if eventually Sefa can speak to the witnesses directly. Um, and Maureen and I will talk about this um, this week in spacing out, but it it's sad and, and kind of surprising that in a country where the government officially investigates UFOs, people still fear that ridicule associated with UFOs so much mm-hmm. that they won't talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, we have a, an interview. I think it's on our, our Chilean. Uh, we've got it online in several places where Jose Ley, the international affairs uh, representative of CEPA, uh, talks about how their country's way more open to UFOs uh, that, you know, um, their government and all of their agencies are very open and they don't make fun of it when they're asking for material and information. So uh, it's interesting. That's a good thing. Uh, but it seems like in some places that uh, especially probably, you know, it seems like, of course, whenever it's just guys, when it's a bunch of guys, you know, guys make fun of each other about everything. So maybe that's a situation. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it is sad that they uh, are, don't want to come forward. Yeah, and I don't. I'm having a hard time understanding. I mean, I don't know all the details, but yeah. you know, we have these four guys. So they obviously are you know, the four miners. They're not worried about being made fun of from each other. They all know about it. They right. all saw it. True. So they're there. They're not. They can't be worried about losing their job necessarily because they told their supervisor. Right. And the supervisor is the one who reported it. So I'm not sure what they're so afraid the of there. what's the big problem? Yeah, exactly. Their coworkers know. Their employer knows. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting. I I do hope they eventually speak because Sefa is mm-hmm. doing great work down there, and uh, yeah, I mean they've got an interesting case here. Yeah. So if if they're listening, <laughs> or you know one of their colleagues, because uh, hopefully they're some of the miners in Chile. Mm-hmm. Listen to the podcast. That's right. Then uh, you need to go talk to your to your coworkers and say, "Hey, it's okay, you know, to come forward, and it will help the government in their investigation if they share some more information." Absolutely, and there are tons and tons and tons of people out there who will be jealous of you because everybody right. wants to see a UFO, and you saw something. You not yeah. only saw it, but you got a cool picture too. You will be heroes. That's right. At least in our eyes. That's right. Alejandro will even uh, sing a song to you yeah. in your honor. I'll sing. A, I will. I'll, yeah. I would do I know that. You would. That's why I offered it. Exactly. I would be more than happy to do that. Well, do I'm, check out these pictures on anyway. the website because the, the pictures are, are great, and they, they did some good analysis on it, so it's an interesting case. Yeah, great case. All right, so uh, there's your UFO news for the week. Uh, as I, uh, I mentioned earlier, we will be at uh, MUFON next, this weekend up until Monday, so we might not have a show next week. It depends on uh, how quickly we're able to recover and get things together. Yep, we won't uh, commit one way or the other. It's a possibility, yeah. but don't hold us to yeah, it. We are not going to commit. So I'm warning you, you might not have one. Who knows? And if we don't, it'll be Jason's fault. Um, I am happy to take the blame for any and all issues that arise. So thank you, uh, everybody. Or no, thank you. Everybody's sticking around, actually. Yeah, I hope they stick around. You're the only one going somewhere. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for the news, Jason. Always my pleasure, Alejandro, and hopefully we'll do it again next week. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. All right. So without further ado, let's talk to Margie.
I am very excited to be speaking with, once again, Margie Kay. Uh, just to catch you up, you know, she is a paranormal and UFO investigator. She's an author. She uh, is the assistant state director for MUFON out in Missouri. She's a director of Quest Investigation Group. We'll talk about that in a minute. And also is an editor and publisher for UnX News Magazine. You also do your own radio show, right? Yes, it's it's on hiatus right now, but we're bringing it back uh, in a month or two uh, with a little bit, a slightly different format on uh, a different different uh, station. But uh, yeah, I do that, and I'm going to have a co-host with me, uh, Hector Lugo with Tenth Dimension Paranormal. So it's going to be covering paranormal and UFOs. Awesome. Pretty cool. So you keep really, really busy. Yes, I do. Uh, all, all of that, and that's in addition to my regular day job running my chimney contracting business. So I do keep busy. Oh, wow. So one of the things I wanted to ask about, I know we had done a long interview about uh, Missouri and everything. I think, was that over a year ago, I think, maybe a couple years ago now? Yeah, it was. It's been quite a yeah, time flies. It sure does. It's so, unbelievable. And your Quest Investigation Group, now that is more than just UFOs, right? Yes, it includes paranormal of, of any type. You know, and we put UFOs under that category. But people who have haunted buildings or or haunting in houses, poltergeists, things like that, un, anything unexplained, uh, Bigfoot investigations, uh, animal mutilations, we will investigate. We've got all the equipment for that and cool. and trained investigators. Uh, but we also do something a little bit unusual, kind of out of the norm, and that is missing person investigations. Uh, we have a team of psychics that work on those and have been very successful. I've worked um, probably about 49 or 50 cases right now which are mostly missing persons, but some un uh, unsolved homicides and also unsolved large theft cases for law enforcement. And uh, we have had a success rate that's phenomenal with that. Wow, cool. And I I've noticed it looks like a lot of your books uh, are centered around ghost hunting. They are. I have two books out, uh, Haunted Independence, which is about Independence, Missouri, and then I have one called Gateway to the Dead, which is a ghost hunter's field guide with a little different twist on it. Uh, and uh, now, right now, I'm working on finishing up the uh, UFO flap in Kansas City. So that one is coming out next month. Cool. Cool. So you'll love this story. So I was just in Roswell uh, last week, and I didn't have a show because of it last week, and... Uh, Something that we did, this was Ben Hansen's idea, is that Jason, Maureen, Ben Hansen, uh, uh, Farron, another friend of ours in Roswell, and Aaron Sagers, we all did some EVP sessions there at the Roswell Museum because it's, it's said to be haunted. I heard that. That's, uh -huh. that's great. What did you find? Well, you know, I got to get it from Ben, but uh, we it, it seems as though we did get a decent EVP. He just had his hand recorder, so we were able to only play back on that. So I'm sure he's downloaded it to his computer by now. Hopefully by the time this show airs, I'll be able to play that clip. But uh, it, it sounded like some fairly loud whispering uh, during 
one part of the questioning uh, when Aaron Sagers was asking questions. So I'm excited to hear that because we listened to that several times and, you know, none of us heard anything at the time the questions were being asked. We did hear a firecracker off in the distance, but we can hear that on the recording. So that's different than this whispering that we got. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I found, and I'm sure you have too, that oftentimes there is kind of a crossover and you'll have people who have UFO sightings or maybe sightings of ETs and paranormal activity at the same place. So, and I wanted to ask you about that now that this comes up because uh, Ben Han mentioned that at least some people feel, uh, and maybe we should talk about EVPs and I would like to get your your input on this. Um, EVPs for people is electric uh, electronic voice phenomena and uh, I, I've done some ghost hunt as well, and it seems like that seems to be the most abundant type of evidence you can get where you get these strange, oftentimes actual voices on a recording that you don't hear uh, when you're making the recording. Yes, I have been on uh, many cases where we have done the recordings like that, but in some cases where we do hear the voice. Oh, really? On, yes. Oh, that's much more exciting, I'm sure. It, it is when the when it's very plain, audible voice that it's not anybody on the team, uh, and then we get it on the recording. It, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, a lot of people I know, uh, some UFO people are just into UFOs, as you know, because you, you get into other topics, and they're like, I don't want to hear anything about ghosts. But the crossover here is that Van Hansen did say at least that he has heard some people who believe they've gotten ETs on EVP. Have you heard of that? Have you ever ran across that? Yes, I have myself in some of our investigations. And in one particular case I'm thinking of, I've been working on this case for several years uh, as a lady in South Missouri. She thought she was being haunted for many, many years. But then she moved to a place near Columbia, north of Columbia, in a small town, right after she moved into this new house, it, it started again. And so she was describing these beings and these things that were happening, uh, strange noises in the house, lights going off and on, doors closing. And uh, she she described these beings, uh, ghosts, as ghosts. But then when she drew them and sent it to me, they were the typical alien grace. Oh, wow. That were walking through her wall. So, I, I mean, I'm of the firm belief that anybody who investigates anything needs to be well-versed in paranormal and UFOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in case, like you discovered, there is a difference. And um, I know you're doing this uh, conference coming up here in the beginning of August in Kansas, the Paracon. And on their list, uh, they're looking at paranormal UFOs and Bigfoot um, there are often ties with Bigfoot and UFOs. Yes, there are. And uh, I've worked several cases with Bigfoot involved. I never thought I'd be involved in something like that until, you know, this happened, I guess my first one was about five years ago. And there has seen, actually, in this particular case, uh, I'm, we may have spoken about this one before, but it's uh, the one in Rich Hill, Missouri, where the hunter uh, went out and, he was just, you know, waiting for some deer to come out, and he was hiding in these tall grasses, and he sees a Bigfoot. And he watches it for several minutes, 
and then it went back into the woods. So his family, who happened to be directors of a paranormal investigation group, and they didn't have any experience with Bigfoot, but they they wanted to check this out. They went to the site, but what happened was UFO sighting happened. And this large UFO was hovering over the area, and these multiple orbs came down uh, from the sky into the woods, and they filmed this for 45 minutes. Hmm. So that's how we got involved. This paranormal group did not know how to deal with the UFO sighting and called me in. And uh, this is this is one of the biggest cases I've ever done. Wow. So what do you think of the idea that Bigfoot is an extraterrestrial? Well, that's a theory. Uh, I I don't have an opinion on it either way. I just don't have enough evidence myself to make an opinion about that. But there are a lot of people who feel that Bigfoot is related to ETs, either, either as a worker for them or is being studied by them. Because there have been sightings of Bigfoot actually right next to UFOs. I know of one in Arkansas. Uh, and the people looked over a ridge and they saw UFO landed and ETs walking with a Bigfoot around a pond. So what that is all about, I, I just don't have a clue. I just know we need to keep looking into it. Right. Yeah, really interesting stuff. And I can see how people would feel that way with the anomalous nature of the Bigfoot phenomena. Oh, it sure is. I, you know, that's that's one of the, the craziest things. And there's been actually an increase in Bigfoot sightings from what I understand. And I actually had a lot of people calling me now to report their Bigfoot sighting. So what I do is I keep a record of it, even if there's nothing else involved. Um, And then I report it to the uh, Bigfoot Research Organization website so Mm -hmm. they have the information on hand. Great. Yeah. You know, another thing I found, and we'll see if this is similar with you, the Bigfoot people don't seem to like UFOs as much as UFO people like Bigfoot. No. <laughs> I don't know how that goes. I mean, you know, everybody has their own opinion, and uh, they just so, – sometimes people walk around with blinders on and, and don't think anything else exists. You know, you could talk to a UFO or ufologist who's very scientific, and they don't want to think that anything else out of the norm is possible. Mm-hmm. But yet they believe in aliens. So right. yeah, I don't know. So along those lines, why do you think it's important for a UFO investigator to be well-versed in other areas of the paranormal? Well, because I'm I'm positive they're going to run into it. I mean, in, in the 30 years that I've been doing this plus, uh, I mean, I really started when I was a kid. I was about 15 when I started investigating other things because I wanted to know what was going on with me. And then I found out there's a, a lot going on with people. But um, you just have to be open-minded because this stuff is going to cross over. And, it, you know, it's like how can you – just investigate a UFO sighting if there are big footprints right next to a landing pad. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that uh, it seems interesting, and I was wondering your thoughts around, there are similar pieces of equipment, there are similar uh, measurements 
that are done across both, especially when it comes to, um, let's say, electromagnetic forces. Um, do you think there are similar, um, I guess, phenomena? There's something related here in those arenas? Yes, uh, and we do use a lot of the same. I mean, my paranormal bag is also my UFO bag, mm-hmm. and I take that on investigations. And, uh, for instance, I found um, electronic readings in an area where there should have been none, right by where a UFO had been sighted, but it was months later when we got the readings, and this was around uh, a wood fence. There wasn't anything electronic around it. There should have been no ways for them to be a trace of anything, uh, and yet there was an electromagnetic field there. Yeah, pretty weird. I mean, um, do you have any thoughts along those lines uh, when it comes to the electric or the the electromagnetic fields, um, why they may be used across both? uh, Are they used similarly? Yes, they are. Uh, The the equipment will just pick up anything that is out of the normal range, out of the ordinary, uh, as far as the electromagnetic field goes. And it's not a far-fetched idea to believe that something like a craft, a UFO, has got is under some type of power, and so it should have an electromagnetic field. Mm-hmm. Um, something being left residually, though, by that, um, I'm not sure how that happens, but if you look at some of the trace evidence work that Ted Phillips has done, he has often found uh, electromagnetic readings at UFO landing sites, and uh, as as what I have done, as far as what I've done with animal mutilation sites, we have also found EMF readings right uh, at the area where cattle have been found mutilated. And then mm-hmm. you go outside the area, and it's normal. There's there's no reading. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Um, another uh, paranormal phenomena that seems to bridge, or at least a lot of paranormal researchers um, talk about, is orbs, uh, balls of light, and uh, that some paranormal researchers believe that they're not all ghostly, that some could be extraterrestrial. Of course, UFOers kind of believe that uh, they're extraterrestrial, but that's another thing that seems to happen across both uh, areas, both fields. I I would say that's probably the number one thing that happens across both fields, at least in my experience. Um, We have got cases where the person sees uh, these lights and they think they're spirits and they behave intelligently. They move back and forth or sometimes act like they're playing in the trees or something. Some of my witnesses have even been able to play with the lights and they'll come towards them and they'll They'll let them, like, hold them in their hands and bounce them around. I've had some people that have been doing that since they were children. Um, but in recent cases, uh, I've, <laughs> I've got pictures myself, and then I had a case where uh, Debbie Ziegelmeyer, our state director, uh, came out with me to work a case here in Kansas City, and the witness had been claiming that he had been getting pictures of orbs 
with tiny beans inside of them. And I had looked at his pictures, and they were pretty compelling. And he now, in the last few years, he, he, he didn't believe in UFOs before, but about five years ago, he got pictures of UFOs from his work in downtown Kansas City, out from his office, and he, he became interested in them. And now it's kind of to the point that he's he's extremely interested in investigating them thoroughly. So he gets many, many pictures. And out of these, some of the orbs do look like there's tiny beans in them. Well, Debbie and I went out to this place, and we spent hours out there. We had lots of cameras up. And in one uh, still picture from one of her night vision cameras, Debbie got a picture of a basketball-sized orb. And there you can see very clearly there's an E.T., standing at a console and it looks like he's in a craft but the craft is transparent that's what the orb is that we're seeing and then just recently i did a case in clinton missouri where they were experiencing what they thought was uh mostly paranormal phenomena although they'd seen many ufos out there and in fact a, an entire ufo fleet one night with hundreds of them all lined up in a line. And so I went out and I spent the night, uh, got lots of pictures and many, many just really super bright orbs and then some transparent orbs all over. And they were coming down from the trees just as the, the witnesses had described they would, at, that they do almost every night there. And in one picture, here is a tiny alien standing are sitting at a console with his arms out like he's running controls. Hmm. Uh, did you all post these on the Missouri MUFON website? No, no. Those are going in my book, um, the Kansas City UFO Flap. Oh, okay. Wow. So they're not going out to the public to for people to just take the pictures and run with them. Uh-huh. And when do yeah. you plan to have that book published? That's next month. Oh, wow. So yeah. really soon here. Great. It's it's almost done, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, speaking of cases in Missouri, that sounds really interesting. So looking forward to seeing that book. Um, at, well, are, is that going to be available on Amazon then? It is. Okay, yes, great. It's going to be a, in an e-book as well. Okay, great, 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 great. Yeah, I wanted to uh, be sure that uh, we tell people how to get this book so they can see the pictures because that sounds like a really interesting case. And uh, we talked a lot about other Missouri cases and the flap going on uh, in our last show, but it seems like, has it died down uh, recently? It, it, it died down a little bit, but it resurged in 2013-14. Uh, Missouri has been in the top four in the nation uh, for the last four years, almost monthly. Wow. And right now we have 74 sightings in the last, 90 days. Um, six of those were sky lanterns from July 4th and July 5th. Uh, the rest are, you know, we, I think we've got about 12 open cases, but uh, we've got sightings of craft, uh, boomerang shape, triangle shape, saucer shape, but primarily uh, this this last month and in, I would say, the last about four months, it has been the orbs. Uh, Hmm. Orange fireballs, balls of light, and orbs is what people are describing. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing right now. 
that and I have some theories about why that is, and I believe it has to do with the New Madrid Fault. And I think we are headed for a large quake coming very soon, and that uh, these orbs have something to do with that, and they're possibly uh, mostly, or if not all, ET-related. Interesting. Now, uh, if there is an earthquake, uh, like you're speaking about, is, is Kansas City, or are there populated areas that could be in danger? The populated areas uh, that are going to be in danger are the biggest one is Memphis, Tennessee, and um, possibly Nashville and St. Louis. But if it's a large quake, uh, the the quake that happened there in, in 1811 and 12 uh, were actually three very large quakes and 1,800 small quakes in four months. Wow. The church bells rang in Boston. So it was a monster quake. If a monster quake happens like that, it is going to be felt all over the Midwest region and going into the Northeast. Ooh, a bit scary. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot that could happen uh, to our infrastructure, and this whole country would be in major, major trouble. Um, I think that the balls of light, it's the, it, most ufologists know that prior to an earthquake, these balls of lights are seen. Now, I'm not talking about the earthquake lights that are multicolors and they may look a little bit like clouds. That's something different. I'm talking about the balls of light that move around intelligently and they go up and down and sideways, back and forth, and and they're visible for a little bit and then they just disappear. Mm-hmm. And, and do you think it's, it's they are observing or it's a sort of a warning? It could be observing, it could be a warning, it could be that they're there to help uh, stop or reduce the damage. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, really interesting. So another case that you're working on, you all sent out a press release recently, I think just last month, about uh, someone, it sounds like it's a case you were following for a period of time, but the uh, witness didn't want to publicly share the information until recently. Is that correct? Well, no, I wasn't following it. Uh, okay. This is just recently that he came forward with it. Okay. He kept he kept quiet about it. Uh, it. It happened in 1969 at the Lake City Army Ammunition Plant, and he kept quiet about it until now. Uh, the witness is 68 years old. He was 23 at the time. And uh, he was working as a printer at the first building after the guard gate at Lake City. And he was working overnight, um, and at about uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, all of the electricity went out, not only in their building, but all of the buildings at Lake City. And so because it was such a hot August evening, the men that were working had to go outside to cool off. And, of course, naturally their machines wouldn't work. So they went outside. There were seven men. And when they went outside, they saw this gigantic chrome, a very bright chrome object that was hovering over a building four buildings away from their position. And uh, he said that this object just extremely slowly moved 
across the road and went uh, hovered over another building and then and then it went back across the road and hovered over another one for a few minutes and it continued this zigzag pattern until it just it hit basically all the buildings there uh and it took 2 hours for this to happen so while they're watching this they also see men in jeeps the MPs driving around like crazy is is the description that he gave me hmm. uh, all over the place uh, as if they just you know they did not know what to do wow now from their vantage point there were about 1200 people working that night on the Lake City plant site uh but from their vantage point they couldn't see any of the other people but he just the the witness can't imagine that anyone else didn't see this because they would have been outside due to the heat so the other strange thing that happens then the next morning when they went into the office there were two men there they did not introduce themselves they didn't show any ids nobody had ever seen them before and one was dressed in a gray suit and the other one in a black suit so men in black i guess Right. And uh, they said, remember, you've all signed a security clearance and you did not see anything. So this witness uh, took that message. He kept his mouth shut for 45 years. But when he saw the episode of Hangar 1, where Missouri and the Kansas City area were featured as a UFO hotspot, he decided to go ahead and come forward with the story. And he said, hey, I'm 69 years old. What are they going to do to me now? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, pretty interesting. Uh, and it's interesting the lights turning off. There was a case uh, that uh, I go over with, I think it was Peru, where it got there a lot of attention uh, out there where, oh no, this was France. It was a case in France that got them uh, to actually was one of the big inspirations for them opening up a UFO investigation agency and it was kind of similar in that there was a large object and it caused the lights to go out uh, in this town and they came back as soon as it flew away. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, the lights did come on after the UFO left. Uh, in this case, uh, it was just hovering over a building and then he said it shot off at an incredible rate of speed and was gone in a half a second. Mm-hmm. And then all the lights came back on in the facility. Now, right after I submitted this press release, more people came forward with their stories. So I've got more sightings around and over the Lake City Army Ammo Plant. And this is also the location of the Blue Springs Lights. Because the the area in Blue Springs, this neighborhood that started this whole phenomenon in Blue Springs, was looking over Lake City. Mm-hmm. So it was right in that direction. So, and could you explain the the blue flame phenomenon or blue springs? Well, the 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 blue springs lights uh, started in 2011 in April when a group of people got in touch with me and said they had been watching these strange lights in the sky for about two weeks and they wanted it to be investigated. So I went out, and at the same time, they got a hold of Channel 5, and uh, the reporter, Dave Jordan, went out, and he interviewed me on site. But he had actually been there the night before. Uh, I was unable to do it because I had another investigation. When I got there, 
he was so shaken up because he said they were watching these lights appear in the sky, and at first they thought they were stars. Uh, and it was at dusk before any other stars were visible. And he said they watched it for about an hour and a half, and then suddenly the big light took off across the sky, went to the other horizon, and, and then shot back very quickly and stopped exactly where it had been before. He said everybody saw it, and the camera woman that was with him got in the van and would not come out, and she would not return with him the next night. Oh, I think I remember you telling me about this. Yes, yes, it, it, it was it was huge sighting. Um, now, what I did not say on the air at the time was what I witnessed through the binoculars. Mm-hmm. First, I have high-powered binoculars, and I had another investigator with me, and we were setting up, and I and they the witnesses had told me that they were seeing these like laser beam like shooting lights across the sky, both red and white, and I also had reports from Lee Summit on these laser beam like lights. So while I'm setting up and I look through the binoculars, this bright light shot through and blinded me. I mean, I couldn't see for a few minutes. Wow! It was so bright. And my investigator with me saw it as well, and the other people around also saw it. The rest of the night, I did not see that happen. Uh, but the the two big lights came up just like they said they would, and through the high-power binoculars, I could see structure around both of these objects. It looks like a grid of metal hmm. around each one. Wow, that's very strange. So... Um do you have any idea why this is happening in this one area? Well, I'm beginning to strongly feel that this is related to the Lake City Army Ammo Plant. Mm-hmm. And the reason is I've talked to a number of people who have worked there over the years, and they tell me that there are large underground bunkers and caverns and man-made caves, as well as transportation underground, like like underground highways mm-hmm. that are going there. And that they not only keep the ammunition stockpiled in that area, but um, that there are other things coming in and out. And But what I can't get anybody to come forward with exactly what that might be. Um, a lot some people still work there and you know they're afraid to lose their job and they're under security clearance so uh i i don't want to know anything top secret mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but i but i really feel like this has something to do with these light phenomena that people are seeing mm-hmm. how strange so uh some of these people coming forward are some of them witnesses to that 1969 event no, uh, the the newer witnesses are uh, have seen things from 2001, and also uh, June 26, 2013, and uh, June 1st, 2014, are the three that I'm thinking of right now. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a few others besides that, but they're they're all describing uh, UFOs of some type. Uh, including one that looked like the B-2 stealth bomber, uh, and that was floating over Lake City Armor Ammo Plant for uh, uh, a few minutes, 
and this was uh, about 10:15 p.m. In, in 2013. On this particular one, uh, a man arrived at work. He saw it through a window, and then he ran up the steps to get a better view, and uh, it left at a very high rate of speed uh, up into the air, and then it moved south and then west and then back to its original location. It had absolutely no sound, but this looked like the B-2 self bomber. Um, then I got a report, and this is very interesting. It's from a deputy sheriff wow. on June 1st. He works the area on the night shift. So uh, he said he saw that, that report about the 69 sighting and contacted me. He said for several years he's been seeing these strange lights and balls of lights in the trees along the highways of 78 and 7, and this is right around Lake City. He said the lights range from baseball size to larger than a basketball, and they're usually white, blue, or orange. And it, he said at this most recent event, he was driving north on Highway 7, past the Little Blue River, when he noticed a white ball of light and then a larger orange fireball following it, and they were both to his east at about 30 yards away and moving north at approximately 45 miles an hour, which had been, would have been the speed of his vehicle. He said he watched the lights for a while, and then they moved off out of sight. And that got his attention in the area over the Army ammo plant. And there he saw a saucer shape that was hovering and spinning, and it also morphed to a spherical shape. Wow. Wow. So he watched this for a while, and, and I went out to the area uh, where he where he watched it and met him out there. Um so, yeah, there is definitely something going on in that area. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, I often tell people, people often ask, they probably ask you this too, how do I see a UFO? And I've got two or three things that I tell them, but one of them is certainly go to places where they see a lot of UFOs. And it seems like, I mean, when the press went out there, when you've gone out there, uh, this Lake City area, uh, there's a lot going on. Oh yeah, that's that w is a hot spot. If you want to see UFOs, just go out to Independence, Raytown, uh, Lee Summit area in eastern Jackson County, uh, just east of Kansas City, and you'll see UFOs. I mean, literally, I could go out almost any night and see something strange. Wow! Uh, th these bright objects, I've seen at least sixteen times. Holy moly! I've got. I have an hour and a half of footage of one of the objects. Mm -hmm. And what uh, it, what can you tell? What can you see in this footage? Well, with the regular video camera, I mean, it's a good video camera, but it, they're not, not going to be like looking through high-powered binoculars. Mm -hmm. uh, so you see a light, you see it flashing different colors, which is what these things do. They flash like red, white, blue, or red, white. And green, very, very, very bright. You can see with the naked eye, but as far as seeing structure, you've got to have the high power binoculars. Mm -hmm. And on this particular sighting, uh, did you see structure? On uh, oh, the one I oh yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, that one is uh, this is an ongoing sighting from Independence. Uh, a, a gentleman, a witness, uh, made a report. And uh, we've been keeping our eye on it for about three years now. Well, uh, we went out there last September, and I set up camera, and he 
had said that he had developed this method to communicate with the object and got a response from it. So he built a binary light board system. He's an IT guy. And he used it to send messages and try to get a response. And he didn't get anything. But when he took his million candle power flashlight and flashed uh, sequentially the different sequences of numbers, it did respond. And, and he actually took video of himself doing that. So I went out with uh, two other investigators, uh, Larry Jordan and uh, Corey Pierce. So we filmed and looked through the high-powered binoculars, and once again, I saw the structure around that object. And then we moved to another location after it moved, because these objects do very, very slowly move across the sky, but not in the pattern with the stars or planets. So it, at, after about an hour and a half, it moved down behind some trees. So we moved to another location, found it again, filmed it, flashed at it, and it flashed back at us. Mm-hmm. Very and I've strange. I've got that on video. Really? Yeah, responding. Mm-hmm. Have you posted so these videos anywhere out of curiosity? No, not yet, mm-hmm. but I'm going to. There's okay. a documentary film coming that I'm working on. Oh, cool. And uh, is that a film you're personally that you're producing or you're working yes. with us? Yes, my company, Seventh Planet Productions, in coordination with Joe Palermo, who is a filmmaker in St. Louis, and he's also our chief investigator for Missouri MUFON, is working with me on two documentaries right now, one on Bigfoot and one on the strange paranormal things happening in the state of Missouri. Oh, cool. So when do you plan to have the documentaries done? I'm hoping early next year. Cool. Well, if you get them done... By the time for the UFO Congress, you'll have to submit uh, your UFO one to uh, the film festival. Oh yeah, yeah, we've got we have plans for that. Yes, I will definitely do that. Awesome, that'll be cool. I can't wait to see that. Sounds really interesting. And with all of these sightings in these last couple of years, and uh, with all of this ramp up. There's been a lot more uh, UFOs in the media out there, I've noticed. And uh, does that continue? Is the media still uh, coming to you uh, about these sightings? And uh, how do they treat it? They do, but they only go so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, once something gets really intense uh, and people start getting scared, the media backs off. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty typical. Uh, they'll mention something once in a while, but they don't want to have heavy coverage of it all the time. I mean, you know, this isn't like Mexico where they, they take this for granted and they have it on TV every night. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, they are still covering at least uh, some cases occasionally? They are. They're, you know, we, we do get some uh, TV and radio coverage locally. And then once in a while, something big will hit, and it will go national. Mm-hmm. Now, have you become friends with some of these media people out there? Oh, yeah. Uh, I know I know some on a first-name basis now. I mean, uh-huh. they, and if they have something, they'll call me. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll say, what do you think about this, and will you be interviewed? So yeah. sometimes they'll catch wind of it before I do. Oh, really? Wow, cool. And uh, have they brought you, then, some good cases? Uh yeah yeah they have they mm-hmm. they it's kind of, I'm like their go-to person now in the greater Kansas City area so they brought some good ones. Mm-hmm. 
So it doesn't seem like uh, these cases of, uh, are going to uh, diminish anytime soon uh, and that uh, your area is going to continue to be a hot spot. Well, if it's going along with the trends, uh, the latter part of the year, the last the quarter of the year is usually the busiest in our state and especially Kansas City. So I, I guess, you know, we're going to be in for it because we have had a lot of sightings so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, besides you've got your book coming out, you've got some documentaries coming out, so you're really busy. Uh, everybody can go to MargieK.com, right? Is that the best place to go to catch up on everything you've got going on? Yeah, that's got links to, to all my other, my other sites. So, yeah, MargieK.com. Mm-hmm. And if people want to say hi to you, they can come see you at the MUFON Symposium. Is that right? I will definitely be there. Uh, my NX News Magazine is a sponsor, so we're going to have some flyers out uh, and some banners. Uh, and I'm looking forward to meeting everybody in person uh, and meeting you in person. Yeah. You know, I get to talk to these people all the time or, or right back and forth, but uh, don't get to meet people in person very often. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm one of those and, people uh, looking forward to meet, meeting you. Uh, when it yeah, comes to... Unex Magazine, uh, does that cover all of the paranormal? Yes. Anything that's weird, unexplained, bizarre, that's what we cover. I mean, crop circles, Bigfoot, UFOs, you name it. Mm-hmm. And that's a quarterly magazine, right? It's quarterly uh, simply because I do not have time to do anything more often than that. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> So right now it's quarterly, uh, but I am talking to a distributor, and if we get this uh, going nationwide, we may go bi-monthly. Okay. And uh, is it is it printed then also? I know it's on PDF. Yeah, it's printed. Okay. People can, can you know, they can download the PDF for free. Uh, just go to unxnews.com, and they can download that at no charge. Uh, but if they want it in print, there's a link there where they can buy that and, and get a subscription. Mm-hmm. And I guess other places people can see you, they can see you on Hangar One. Yeah, I'm on the uh, Hot Spots um, Hangar One episode about Missouri. Mm-hmm. And uh, also I've got the uh, the Paracon Conference coming up August 1st and 2nd here in Kansas City. And uh, we've got a lot of good speakers coming in for that. Art Campbell, Scott Nelson, the Bigfoot researcher, is going to have uh, audio tape of Bigfoot. And uh, Debbie Ziegelmeyer will be there, Jason Offit, and several others. So that one is uh, kcparacon.com. Mm-hmm. And also people can go to Missouri MUFON, especially if they're in the Missouri area, where they can go see uh, different speakers. You, do you all have monthly meetings out there? We have monthly meetings in Kansas City, uh, St. Joe, Columbia, and St. Louis. We're a really active state, and then we have our... Uh, annual meeting at uh, at our conference in Kansas City every year. And uh, then we have periodic meetings throughout the state. We have a field investigator training session once a year. So, uh, if you know, people who want to join in this area you don't have to be a member in Missouri. You could be in Kansas or surrounding state. And, uh, you know, we, we need more field investigators, that's for sure. We only have about 14 field investigators right now. And uh, we could use some more, especially in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Are your guys just getting overwhelmed with cases right now? 
We are. Uh, it, it, you know, the, the state director and assistant director are not supposed to be actually in the field working the cases, but we are because we just don't have enough uh, field investigators working. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't know many situations where the state directors aren't out there because uh, even if you have a lot of members, sometimes that doesn't always translate over to a lot of field investigators. Yeah, that's right. And and any case that's a star team case, um, Debbie and I are the only star team here. And then we've got a couple in Kansas, uh, Larry Jordan and Stan Seba, that often help us out on the on the bigger cases where we have landings or something. Okay. And, yeah, maybe you can uh, explain to the audience what a, the STAR team is. Well, it's more of an elite group of investigators that specialize in uh, landings and uh, close encounters, and we have the equipment necessary to do the investigation. And then if if we need help, we can just call on the start team manager and say, hey, you know, we need some help out here. We need some other equipment. And, uh, you know, it's done. And it has to be done very quickly. You have to be, you know, like on call 24 hours uh, just in case you get called to run out. Because, you know, getting the, getting evidence, uh, is it's imperative to get out there very quickly. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Well, thank you so much uh, for being on the show again, uh, and I wish you all the luck with your book and uh, and the documentaries coming up. And definitely let us know when your book comes out so I can let uh, all of our uh, readers and listeners know. Oh, I sure will. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Margie, for being on the show. Don't forget you can go to MargieK.com to read more about her and UNX News uh, and some of the events she's going to be involved with that are coming up. And like she says, come to the MUFON Symposium this weekend to meet her and to meet, actually the whole Open Minds crew is going to be there. So uh, one of our behind-the-scenes guys who makes our great videos, who uh, records and edits spacing out every Friday, Michael Klein will be there, so you'll be able to get to meet him. Um, but also Jason, uh, Maureen, and I will all be out there. So we'll have a table. We'll be doing some interviews. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully you can join us out there. We love to support our friends at MUFON. We all feel that they are a wonderful organization, and we are proud to um, to work with them. Very happy about that. So hopefully you come see us at MUFON. Otherwise, go to MargieK.com to check out more information about Margie. Also, this is something new, actually, we've got going on on the website, and I'll talk more about this next time, and you'll see a lot more on our website, and if you're on our email list, you'll see some more, too. We do now have a on-demand video service, a UFO video portal, where uh, if you go to the site, you're going to be able to look at lectures from different um, UFO people. So essentially, you know, we have the UFO Congress, which is the largest UFO uh, conference in the world, and we record these videos of the lectures, and currently you can buy them on DVD, but now you can also go to our website and watch them, um, you know, there. You can get them for $1.99 to rent, and uh, then you get to watch it just for a period of time. Or if you want it for longer, you can pay $9.99 and have access to it constantly. 
Or if you pay only $5.99, you'll have a subscription, and that's per month, where you can watch all of our videos. Right now, we, we have just a few videos up there. We have quite a few, actually. Something like, what, six, seven, eight videos, including our Open Minds Investigate videos. Uh, however, we're going to be putting more videos up every month. So for only $5.99, you're going to have many, many, many UFO lectures to watch, and you're going to have new ones every month. So this is really cool. It's a very economical way to get uh, some of the best UFO videos and best UFO lectures out there. So this is really cool. The UFO video portal, it's uh, pay-per-view pay videos for open minds. And don't forget also, speaking of the International UFO Congress, of course, if you can make it and actually be there, that is a lot of fun as well because then you get to meet the researchers and the lecturers. It's actually very uh, economical. The price is not too bad compared to other conferences. And uh, we are, especially now, because you get the early, early bird special if you go register. So go to international, U or just go to ufocongress.com or if you go to openminds.tv, you'll see a button for it in the upper right. Also, uh, just like every Friday, we have a new uh, Spacing Out available. Uh, you can see Jason and Maureen and Nanai at Roswell. So this one's focused on Roswell and everything going on there, as well as the UFO news. We'll have a new one out this Friday. And like I, we've got openminds.tv for all of the news. I think that's all the cool stuff going on that you have to check out. So that's what's cool. Openminds.tv, we're bringing you UFO stuff, new, different, unique information on a regular basis all of the time. And we're happy to do so. And I want to thank all of you for listening and for patronizing our website and our YouTube and, and all of our different uh, material because uh, we work really hard to get this information out to you. And uh, our main purpose is for you to consume it and to enjoy it. And we're very happy when people do that. So thank you all so much for doing that. In fact, we just hit 3 million listens to uh, our podcast. So that's really cool. Uh, we've got uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people listening on a regular basis. And uh, I want to thank you all for coming back uh, every week to, to hear the latest and the greatest. So join us either next week or the week after for more. I also want to thank the gentleman who creates our music. That is Caleb Hanks, who does the opening and close music. You can find more of his music at the clerk chronicles.com and download his music for free it's very good very cool music so check it out thank you caleb and thank you all for joining us once again adios amutato